everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. I am Paul Ponte, and I am joined today by Watts. How are we doing today, Watts? Good, man. Just uh, enjoying this beautiful day and the weather and uh, the fact that I have my health. You know, everyone doesn't have that, you know. We do have the heritage champion of championship wrestling from Hollywood here. Uh, you've been involved with that promotion for a while. Uh, what's it like? when you have like a consistent place that has television, that has, that has television that has, you know, uh, a loyal fan base that you can go out to and they know who you are. What's that like, especially when you're wrestling the Indies and you're kind of a journeyman going back and forth, how great is it to have a place that you can kind of just say, this is like where I'm based out of. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, and not just that, just the fact that I've been pretty much on TV consistently for most of my wrestling time, time, you know, my career. So um, I feel like there's people can't say that they've been on TV consistently for over 10 years, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a great blessing and it's helped me too for, you know, bigger promotions, you know, that have TV, like they, there are certain things I just know certain things that I have an advantage in because of all my experience with TV wrestling. So uh, it's been great being there. Yeah. Gotta be aware of that hard cam. The hard, I mean, your face is your money. So if if your face is on the on the ground, you know, or your back's to the camera, then we'll go, you're you're no good. You're just there's no good. Yeah. So speaking of TV, what were you watching on TV uh, when you were wanting to get into wrestling? Who was your favorites coming up, and what what made you decide this is something I think I want to do? Well, my earliest memory of wrestling was probably. Uh, See, I don't know if it was live because we, you know, back then, like there was videos and all that stuff. So I never knew what was live. I did know certain things were live, but like my earliest memories, I don't know if it was live or not, but the earliest thing I can remember was uh, Hogan and Earthquake. So I'm not sure if that was, you know, watch. I'm pretty sure I watched some of those live as a, as a little kid, a uh, small kid. Um, uh, I don't know if that was a SummerSlam main event or what, but it was Hogan and, Hogan and Earthquake. It was like my first, like, big memory of wrestling. But my favorite growing up was The Undertaker. Um, lucky enough that he was around for 30, you know, some 30 years or so, close to 30 years. And uh, um, I pretty much got to grow up, you know, he was wrestling my pretty much my whole life. So, um, and he's also a real big guy and real athletic. So it's, uh, you know, he's kind of an inspiration for some of the things I like to do. Uh, but yeah. And so from there, uh, I'm always curious about this because, you know, when you first start watching wrestling, you watch what's on TV. You're like, okay, this is what there is. How do they find these guys? Who knows? They just grow up and they're automatically wrestlers. So when do you first discover independent wrestling and figure out that that's where you need to go to train or to figure out, oh, this is something that's like that people have to go through most of the time to get into wrestling? Hey, how did I get started? Uh, honestly, um, I didn't know the independence existed. Um, I knew... I knew backyard wrestling was a thing before I knew about the Indies. So, <laughs> so uh, I used to, I used to, I used to do backyard wrestling way back in the day, uh, like way back in the day. And then uh, one time at junior college, um, I went to Pasadena City College, and uh, I saw like back when there's, there's like bulletin boards with a bunch of flyers on them. I saw, I saw like a little small little like tiny little sheet of paper for a promotion called Pro Wrestling Gorilla. No, this was back in 2005. So this is like OG PWG, you know what I mean? And uh, this was when I first got into TNA and I hadn't heard of 
any other wrestling groups outside of WCW since WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there are like there are guys on TNA who uh, were on that flyer, um, like guys like AJ Styles, Chris Daniels. Uh, I don't think Small Joe was on it, but I don't think he was in TNA just yet when I went. But uh, guys like that. So I was like, oh, I, I can see AJ Styles live, and this was like he was the current X Division champion. And I think they had built an X Division title match for that PWG show, and uh, I couldn't miss it. It was back then; tickets were only fifteen dollars to get into PWG, and uh, you know that's when I first got my exposure to guys like Kevin Steen, Scorpio Sky, uh, uh, Chris Bosh, uh, El Generico, uh, guys like that. That whole crop of guys, Human Tornado, yeah. um, guys like that. Uh, that's back when. That was when I first got my exposure to into wrestling. Going to that show just really changed it for me. I was like, "This is I gotta I gotta do this." Yeah, I actually just interviewed Top Gun Talwar a little bit ago. Good brother, good brother, good brother, Top Gun. Yeah, and we were talking about that actually because that was the first time I checked out PWG. Also, I went to Battle Los Angeles in two thousand five. Okay. So yeah, uh, I was there for the AJ Styles uh, My Jesus promo okay. with uh, Chris Bosch for that fun oh, stuff. You were there, oh, you were there for that. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I, was, I wish I was at that one. I had that on DVD, though. Yeah. And, uh, I actually thought about that earlier today because, like, I don't know if you follow, like, obviously on Twitter, but, like, there's a thing, like, a little pretend fight with uh, RJ City and Randy Orton going on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he just mentions AJ uh, about being flat earther or whatever. And that just that made me think of that promo that you just mentioned. Like, my Jesus. He, like, you know, clogged or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, Talwar was saying, because AJ was staying at his house that night. And uh, yeah, AJ was like legit heated for like the rest of the time he was there. Like he was not, I don't know, it was just really funny because like in the crowd, we could tell like it happened and we're like, I don't know if we're getting worked right now, but this seems real. <laughs> I was like, what's happening right now? But that's yeah, too funny. not good of an actor. That was real. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, especially back then, his uh, AJ Styles promo skills have grown, let's just say over the years, uh, along with other people. Uh so you go to PWG and you see that stuff going on. And uh, what a great experience to indie wrestling too. You're kind of watching the cream of the crop of indie wrestlers, you know, in one place, which is pretty great. Uh, it also helps, you know, to be in SoCal where it's kind of a nice, a nice bubble of good wrestling, especially a lot of different promotions. So from there, uh, where, when does the transition come to thinking I'm going to do this rather than I like this? Uh, well, uh that particular PWG show, um, I met this group of uh, backyarders and they were all wearing the same t-shirt and I had heard of them on MySpace and uh, they actually had a, a legitimate professional ring. And I was like, I want to go train, you know, practice. They actually had trainings and practices and stuff, which is different than most backyards back then. So uh, I went one day and like the main, the, the head guy there was uh, Ricardo Rodriguez and uh, so he was real, he was real uh, well versed in lucha at the time. So he just taught me like my training was my initial training was in a backyard from Ricardo Rodriguez with lucha. Um, from there, I was like, you know what? Let me let me really let me let me let me really try this. Uh, so I you're six couple... six training lucha. That's right, man. So, <laughs> so 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 Cal is like this is lucha headquarters, man. Like this is where it's at. You gotta learn. You, gotta, you if you can't do lucha, you can't survive here in SoCal. Um, if you can't do the flips, you can at least got to be able to base for them, you know? Yeah. Um, you gotta do one or the other. And there's a lot of people who can't do either. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So and then from there I, uh, went and found, uh, uh, Knox pro Academy had, had first started up, you know, they had just started and I was part of the first class, the first, you know, whatever group. 
uh, Rusev was in that group. Ricardo Rodriguez was there too. Uh, we had we, we we had Nick Hogan come through a few times. He didn't obviously didn't make it. Mm. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, man, that that training was the best training I ever had in my life. You know, Gangrel was the the guy who gave me the most training there. But they also had Rikishi there, uh, Count Black Pearl, and um, Orlando Jordan. Um, with various guests, guests would come in like uh, Wild Simone, Alpha would come. Uh, you know, all kinds of guys would come. Um, but yeah, so I had that pretty much for a year and a half, three times a week or so. I would do that, and then from there, I was just off to the races uh, and started working and getting books and bookings and you know doing my thing. Yeah. So we're gonna. We're, I know it's been a while, and I know you talked about it to death, but we got to get into it at least a little bit. We got to talk about the Tough Enough. Sure. So when Tough Enough came out, it was pretty big. I remember seeing your season. And it's funny because I saw your season when it was on television. And then I saw you in the Indies like years later. And I totally didn't connect like, that you were on there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, he's got, I was like, oh, this guy's got Darth Vader gear. That's dope. I love that. And then, you know, but I never even thought about it. And then, so I thought, oh, to prepare for this interview, I was like, I'll go back and watch some of the clips of Tough Enough. And I was like, because I don't think I saw that season. And then I started watching and I went, oh, I did see this season. I remember this now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Really, I remember it because of the eleven years girl. That's oh, what triggered it. In my memory. Oh, she was like, that. she's done it for eleven years, and it was like she couldn't run the ropes. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I, you know, you've already talked about tough enough on a lot of different podcasts. That's not a you know a big thing. But I'm more interested in how does the process start for that? Like, where where do you hear like, oh, there's going to be auditions or tryouts? What do that? What is their selective process? Um. They put out a, there was a casting call for it. So myself and thousands of others submitted uh, tapes or whatever. And then um, I guess, you know, some people got, you know, called and some people didn't. Um, there are multiple rounds of like phone interviews and, and like callbacks and stuff. And like they wanted other footage of other stuff. Um, for, so for me, like I sent my initial video out about me talking about why I want to be a WWE superstar. And then, um, you know, they saw it and then uh, they asked for more, more like in-depth footage. So like uh, I sent them like just a day in the life. So like it was a day, I think the one I sent into them was like um, for Hollywood, championship resident from Hollywood, just following me around, just seeing, you know, getting ready, doing the match, whatever. You know, my buddy filmed it all for me. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I don't know where it is now, but whatever, it happened. And then um, from there, uh, they wanted more footage. So we kept advancing. They wanted more footage. So they sent out a camera crew to my, my mom's, my mom's apartment. And cause they wanted to see like what my life actually looked like. Um, I didn't live with her, but that was the closest thing to like my life, I guess for that would be relevant to like the world. Um, so uh, they kind of got some footage of her, got some footage of my brother, um, my family. Uh, and um, yeah, that's kind of the story that they ended up telling was like my family. That was like my story. Um, but uh, so yeah, from there um, we got, invited to the big callbacks where there were like maybe 30 of us um, at the, uh, what hotel was it? The Hilton, I think. The, the Hilton near uh, LAX, which is where, like next to where uh, uh, those conventions were for those few mm -hmm. years, like Russell Reunion or one of those things were there. And um, so, yeah, so we got called back and then we did auditions in front of like the who's who of WWE executives, you know, like, Laurenitis, Kevin Dunn, all those guys were all in that freaking meeting, all in that audition. Um, executives from USA, uh, uh, 
you know, Big John from the old Tough Enough Seasons was there. Um, you know, just everybody who could, this is the biggest pressure situation was that. And, um, you know, we did our interview and I guess they liked, the, they, they liked uh, what they saw and uh, put me on the show. And then, but I never got to go home. I had to stay there. Like once, once they chose you, you weren't allowed to leave. So mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I was, I'm from here. So like uh, LAX or whatever, the hotel was only like 45 minute drive from me. But everyone else was like, had to be flown in. So everyone else has been staying at that hotel for weeks, you know. Oh, wow. And yeah, like blocked off from the rest of the world. Whereas I've been able to go home at night and do my life still and just go in there when I, you know, whenever they need me for something. But, um, and then uh, from there, uh, they yeah, took our phones away. They uh, uh, put us, threw us on a shuttle, took us to SmackDown that was in San Diego that night, I think. For it to film some challenge or whatever, like digging through trash. I don't know. I forget what it was. But it was just some goofy shit they had us do. Um, part of the reality television part of it, where right. they're like, we have to have silly nonsense as well as, you know, actually yeah. wrestling. Right. So uh, we did we did that, and then from there, um, the next day we went to the to the mansion, and you know, that's where all the magic happened. That's where we you know, build them out. Shows up and Trish Stratus. Yeah. Funny, funny story though, when we were taking promo pictures, cause they hadn't told us who the trainers were yet. When we were taking promo pictures before we went off to the, to the mansion. Um, actually, uh, they, 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 they screwed up. They, 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 they left a sheet of paper down with like photo schedules. And I was able to look and see who the trainers were on the, on the sheet of paper that I wasn't supposed to see. Like somebody from production, it was all rolled up. Somebody from production probably just put it down for a second or whatever. And like forgot about it. Um, but I was like, oh, God, build a mod. And I like, you know, saw Booker T and Trish Stratus. Um, but I didn't uh, didn't tell anyone because I, I didn't want to ruin their shot. I didn't want to ruin the, you know, people's yeah. reaction or whatever. You know, uh, but, uh, um, yeah, so. And, and then the rest is history. The rest you saw on TV. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so when you go in there, were you already a fan of Tough Enough? Did you see the, pre- the prior seasons? I had seen them all. Yeah, I've seen them. I mean, I couldn't tell you what happened in them other than like mm-hmm. winners, but I do remember like, uh, like Triple H being in there for one of the seasons, like the early, I think the first season. And then I remember um, the season where two ladies won. Okay. And, um, and I remember like the Miz's uh, like hybrid season where it's like, you know, traveling. They weren't, it wasn't like filmed separately, it was like on, as part of the, the main roster show. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I watched it, but I, I wasn't like a huge follower of it, but I knew what it was and, uh, never thought I'd be a tough enough guy, but here we are. Yeah. But so I'm wondering, cause the one thing I noticed when I watched tough enough and it's kind of the same with any of those reality shows, like American Idol or anything like that, very few win and actually become like mega stars. You know what I mean? Like some do pretty well, but very few is it like you know, the actual next rock or the actual next Hulk Hogan or, you know, so yeah. when you're going in, what are your expectations and what do you think is going to happen? Or are you just like, you know what? Exposure experience, screw it. I, you know, this is great. Uh, the, that one, honestly, it was mainly that like I get, I, I, um, well, I wanted to win. Um, but it was nice. Like at, at worst case scenario, I was getting exposure and training by hall of famers that I got to get paid. A decent amount of money and um yeah it was a great i mean it was a, it was a, it was more positives than negatives there were a lot of negatives from it but you know i try to look at it from more of a positive standpoint and 
you know, it got my face in front of a lot of people's, you know, got a lot, a lot, a lot of TV screens and like, like yourself, like you remember me from that. It's like, oh yeah, there's a connection there. Um, hopefully a positive one. Some, some of it's negative, but uh, I think, uh, especially in wrestling, like if people are talking about you, then that's probably a good thing. Yeah. One of the big things you had was the conditioning, right? So I'm sure it's like you went in there and you're like, I know how to, you know, do a great suplex. I know how to do this. So like, I should be good. But like, you know, there's other, there's, then there's weird things like you don't expect them to do. Like, we're going to have you do squats on the top rope while people run the ropes. Like, (laughs) this is not something I was, I, how do you prepare for that? You know what I mean? So obviously, you know, plus it's reality TV. They want people on there who are going to, you know, who they think are going to do ratings. So, you know, that's, it's, you know, it it is what it is. It's all, yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Um, thing about reality TV is um, it's not actual reality. It's more, yeah. it's, it's, it's unscripted, but there is definitely a uh, schedule and there's definitely uh, shots they want to get. And there's definitely stories they want to tell. They're one of the, one of the top producers on that show kind of peeled the curtain back for me a little bit. He's, he's like, look, man, we're not going to spend millions of dollars on a, on a, on a project and not get the shots that we want to get. And like that told me everything I needed to know about the show. Yeah. Whenever, uh, I'll give myself as, as an example. Like there are times where, uh, you know, we would do a drill, right? And we like, we finish the drill, and they'd be like, "Eric, do it again." And I'm like, "What? Why?" And like no one else is doing it again, just me. And like so, I would do it again, and I'd be I'd be fucking tired, you know, doing it again. They'd be like, okay, good. No, 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 do it again. And it's like, oh god, you know. So I'm doing I'm doing stuff multiple times, and like. And that footage is the stuff that they decide to show. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the narrative. For lots of situations, yeah. The narrative for me was loves his family, didn't come in shape, so blah, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, uh, well, you know, everything that you saw happened. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did uh, um, struggle with the top rope squats you know while they're hitting the ropes i mean I, i'm just not used to stuff stuff like that i didn't i didn't think to prepare for something like that um which is my fault i guess um um the ropes course thing uh my my grip was really really just destroyed like i wasn't like tired i just my hand like my here's a little story about me so when i was when i was born the doctor told my mom that i'd never be able to hold a pencil because my grip was so weak this, oh, is, wow. this, this is a birth defect I have that uh, got exploited on that show. So like, uh, like my forearms, like won't they, 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 they don't, they can't grow. They're just atrophied forever. Everything else does, but that doesn't. And um, so it sucks. Cause I knew, I knew what was happening when I was on, when I was on the course, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it. Right. So I was like full everywhere, but you know, to the person people who don't know me, like they saw that as all oh, this guy's tired in the ropes course. And, uh, he's been up there for hours and, uh, you know, look at this fucking joke, you know? So like having to deal with all that stuff, like was frustrating for me. Uh, but I've, uh, you know, it's been years since it's been almost 10 years since tough enough. So like, um, it's so much easier to deal with now. Like any of the crap people send me, I still get crap for it, by the way. That's, today. that's ins- well now, especially with the network, no, the dirty yeah, no. networks out and they're like, Oh, I'm watching this for the first time. Who's this guy? I'm going to go look yeah. him up so I can talk some shit real quick. <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, that's it's, it's funny. Cause like it, it aired here in the States for first. And then you know, I got the, you know, the messages and the emails and hate mail or whatever. And then like a couple months, pa- like some time passed and then like it aired in, in Europe 
And then this was like a second wave of bullshit that I had to deal with. Oh. So, so it was just like waves of it. But, um, but uh, you know, I don't regret it, man. Like there are times where I did, but although overall it was a good experience for me. And as a memory, I'll never, you know, if nothing else, I got to do that, you know, and that's something that people can't really do. Being, being a tough enough is an exclusive club that people can't just be, aren't a part of as much as, you know, say, you know, working for other companies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I did allude to it earlier well, the first time I saw you, which, of course, like I said, I didn't recognize you from Tough Enough. All I recognized was the Darth Vader tights. And uh, now you got this, uh, you've been wearing this gauntlet sleeve that you uh, have on. Obviously a big fan of nerd culture. I saw you at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Uh, yes, so absolutely. Yeah, uh, I was like, I, I easily saw you. I was like, oh, there's a there's a giant man walking this way. I Okay, yeah. I, I recognize him. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, were you always a big fan of like, you know, nerd, cult, nerd culture stuff? And did you always think I'm definitely going to incorporate this into my, into something to do with wrestling? So I've always been a huge fan of nerd culture. I love it. I love Star Wars. I love my MCU. I love my DC. I love Power Rangers, man. Like all that stuff, video games, like I'm all about it. Um, I did not always think I was going to incorporate it because like most people I took myself too I took myself too seriously in the beginning and, uh, and that was also fed into my ear from people. You, you need to be this big, tough, you know, stereotypical black guy. You need to you come out with a chain and like a rag around your face and, mm. you know, whatever, like wear jeans and like whatever, you know, like all that stuff. It wasn't until like maybe like five or so years ago, five, six years ago, where I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to be me, you know, because wrestling fans can see through BS. That's why wrestling fans hate crap gimmicks that, the performer doesn't believe like they, 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 they don't, you, you can tell when the performer isn't into it and when mm-hmm. they don't believe it. And then, you, and then you get guys like, you know, the rock and stone cold who get to be a more version, like a version of themselves. That's just with the volume turned turned up a little bit. So like, that's kind of what I am. Like I wear the nerd inspired gear, but it's like, I'm not out there, you know, being mega nerd, super nerd. I'm still me, yeah. but like, this is also a part of me. This is who I am. So um, it's been, it's been cool to share like that side of me with wrestling. Cause to me, wrestling's nerdy as fuck too. Oh and yeah. You, you gotta be a, you gotta be a big old nerd to be a wrestler. Like let's just, that, that's why it always kills me when all these dudes try to act tough on Twitter and Instagram. I'm like, bro, you're a wrestler. You, you, you calling these people marks when you literally wrestle, like you're the biggest dweeb mark of, on the planet. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. You know, you like wrestling so much that you wrestle. Like, don't, there's not a bigger mark, you know, than wrestlers, <laughs> you know? So, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, know. I was at the, uh, in Chicago. Uh, I recently went back to Chicago to go to the AEW pay-per-view there. No, tight. Uh, the last one that they had before, you know, all this shit hit the fan. And, uh, yeah, uh, if you want to, if you go to a live wrestling show and you go to, say, a Star Wars celebration or a Comic-Con, um, there's an overlap of similar looking people. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I, the wrestlers taking themselves too seriously is always funny to me. Um, you know, there's, there's certain people that, you know, they still, you know, there's a certain line between like respecting the business, but taking it so seriously that you don't have any more fun in the business. And in that case, right. what's the point? Exactly. That's my, that's my whole thing. If you're not having fun with this stuff, why are you, why are you doing it? Like, what's the point? And if you, and if you, and if you're an actual tough guy, why not get into you have MMA or boxing? Like go do a combat sport. You know, if you want to, you think you're a tough shit, go do that. You know, like the, mm-hmm. you, you, you're here because you like to put on a show. 
You know, you like to entertain. Yeah. You're not an actual. You're not an actual tough guy. You're a wrestler. Like wrestling is. Don't get me wrong. Wrestling's hard. Wrestling is the hardest thing. Like this training. You know, training for to be a wrestler is no joke. The bumps. You know, the injuries. No joke. But if you really want to be hard, go be go be a freaking tough tough man fighter. You know, if that's what you want to do. But um, that's why that's why I laugh at guys who just take themselves too seriously. It's like stop. This is this is fake. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a specific wrestler. Uh, he's uh, I'm not gonna say who he is. Uh, I mentioned him on the Tower episode. Uh, he recently came out against masks. He was very angry. Uh, he's also apparently very anti-vaxer and all all kinds of stuff. Uh, very educated feet this man has, and he's known to be very serious. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, you mean uh, oh, you mean stupid ass? Uh, what's his name? Goddamn Loki. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Oh, what a like like that man. Here's the thing, man. If 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 he hadn't had such a bad reputation before all this stuff, then uh, it wouldn't. Like I would be more like understanding of what he's trying to say. But he said so much. He's been he's been a bonehead for so much of his of his of his life, like his career that it's like, oh, of course this idiot says this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like I don't. I hate wearing a mask. I hate it. I do not like it. But I do it for the what if. What the science, what if with what scientists and the CDC, what if everything, what they're saying is true in yeah. case it is, why not wear a mask? You yeah. Know, look at the rest of the planet, look at New Zealand, look at other countries, you know, uh, other continents, Australia is doing, you know, they're doing way better than we are. They're bigger than us. It's like, so yeah. it's like, we don't have, there's like, there's no ground for these people to stand on. Like the yeah. evidence there, they're choosing not to accept it. So it drives me crazy when anybody speaks out against wearing a mask. Yeah, so that's one of the guys that whenever I saw him, I was always like, dude, obviously in the ring is very talented. Amazing. He's very entertaining yep. when he's not purposely kicking people in the face for no freaking reason. Sure. Uh, but when it comes to like the sense of humor side of wrestling, that's not him. That's never going to be him, you know. Uh, so, hey, I guess to each his own, but I know what I prefer and I'd prefer uh, someone who's a little bit more of a person. Than a robot, yeah, he's actual human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you talk. We talked a little bit about uh, wrestling, and uh, but I wanted to go into more about uh, traveling to different places uh, when it comes to wrestling. Wrestling takes you all over the place. Obviously, you have your basis in SoCal, but you know you get to kind of go everywhere. Uh, what do you find was the biggest difference when it comes to traveling to different states to wrestle, different crowds? Like, how do you adjust your ring psychology? I, like, how, what do you? you like notice when you travel to different places? Um, so I haven't been out to the East coast yet, but I've been to a lot of like, um, like Western States and like some, some more, uh, like I've been up to Oregon, um, been to New Mexico, uh, Nevada, um, I've wrestled in China too, but that's way, that's different. Um, but, uh, I find that especially New Mexico, like it's like the more, the more East you go, the more old school you stuff you can do until you hit like the Midwest and then you got to, or like tech, like almost like Texas. Once like, te like Texas, you got to start doing stuff again and you travel and like then the Midwest and you got to start doing, it's like there are pockets of like work hard regions and like, like SoCal LA, you know, California in general, that's like, we work here, you know, we, 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 we do stuff, you know, uh, but then places like, uh, like New Mexico, like I said, like I went there and didn't have to do a whole lot. And like the crowds were just all about, the characters and the you know baby faces and then the heels and um all that but like here in socal especially because we see lots of the same fans of the same shows like 
you form relationships with them, you know, even if you, whether you want to or not. And like, I'm lucky enough to where there's like, we have dope fans here. So like, they've all been super cool, you know, for the most part. And uh, so it's like, they don't really, they, they, it becomes, they become more supportive of you as you, not as you as a good guy or a bad guy. Obviously they'll play along whether or not you need mm-hmm. a chip, but you know, um, they're more just supportive of you as the person. But like other places, like they 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 love the old school stuff, man. I love when I can get away with it because it's my favorite. Old school stuff is my favorite. To do. Yeah. Um, well, I just interviewed uh, Vinny Massaro, okay. and uh, he was like, he 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 mentioned he was like, oh, sometimes you like you'll just do a suplex and the crowd will pop, and you're like, oh, I got, I'm gonna be able to have an easy night tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, such a good feeling. <laughs> such a good feeling when it happens. Like you, you get in there and like, you know, uh, what I like to do is I like to go to new places and like give like a few poses before the match just to see how they are reacting to me. And like, if they're quiet, which would not be understandable because they don't, they wouldn't know me yet. But if they're quiet, then I'm like, oh man, I got, like, I just know I got to do more. But if they're like popping for the entrance and for like the poses, then you're like, sweet, you know, you you can take your time more, milk it, uh, milk, milk moments more instead Mm -hmm. of like going from spot to spot to spot to spot, you know? Um, Yeah. It's interesting. And uh, you mentioned a little bit about training, a little bit of lucha style. Uh, I've seen you uh, pull a top row, pull a tope suicida, excuse me, uh, or two uh, with your giant frame, but still able to do it with some, with, you know, it's funny because it's ironic that on Tough Enough, they're like, oh, the conditioning. But then like you watch you now and you're very quick in the ring and, you know, you're jumping over doing suicide dives and stuff. And it's kind of like, wow, what a difference, you know, a decade makes, right? Uh, So when, when you, uh, start to incorporate stuff like that. How much energy actually goes into if you don't know your opponent, let's say you're working with them for the first time and you're like, Oh, like, am I going to, is this dude going to be able to break my fall correctly? Like, is he going to move out of the way too much with, which, you know, when that happens, that's, you know, not good. So, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you gauge that personally? Well, the good thing is, um, I have a pretty big network of, of, of buddies in the biz. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm really concerned about someone, I'll ask around um, or like a promoter will tell me, Oh yeah, this guy's, you know, he's good at this, this, that, and the other. But um, for the most part, I'm pretty sure. Tr- I mean, I, I know how to take care of myself. Uh, I, I'll say like, if I don't feel comfortable with stuff, I'll tell him, you know, I'll say that uh, like, I only, I only dive in special situations. Like, it was like multiple people out there or like, someone gigantic like Brody King, someone like that who can catch me by himself. Like, I'll do that. But for the most part, I just dive into crowds. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, where we're like, at worst, you know, I'll bust my ass, but at least it won't kill me if there's a crowd of people there. Because I've eaten shit many times in my dive too. And it sucks. But <laughs> when you're this big and you don't get caught, that sucks. But um, but for the most part, like, I know, I know a lot of the boys and like, um, and people like they'll, they'll listen to me too. People are always respectful. Like no one's really been a huge jerk to me uh, when it comes to putting stuff together. Um, and you know, if someone and 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 you know, on the opposite of that, if someone isn't comfortable with something I'm doing, you know, they can tell me, and I'll be like, that's cool. You know, I'm not gonna like you know kill them for it unless it's like easy, something super duper easy, like 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 a body mm-hmm. slam. That's different. But um, but yeah, I, I try to keep my style relatively safe and easy. Um, I try to make it so I can hit any of my moves on anyone. Um, and, and I, you know, I try to avoid the more dangerous stuff. Like, like I don't do a whole lot of head drops uh, and things like that just because I haven't really, I haven't really practiced those a whole lot. And I don't, I just don't want to give those, um, but slams and all that dives, I'm down, I'm, you know, I'm there. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been cool though. 
And uh, have you ever had a, any time when, let's say you're working with someone and they were just, I mean, I, I don't know how often this might happen, but they're just, maybe it's someone new, whatever, and they're just not really cooperative on, you know, going over what the spots are going to be, you know, trying to get your shine in the match, anything like that, where you're like, they're just maybe not as reciprocating of how generous you're trying to be. It's happened. Um, eventually I do get frustrated if that happens. Uh, and then I'll just, I'll just, what happens? I'll just be like, all right, man, whatever you want to do, whatever, whatever you want, Jim, whatever you want, you know? And then I'll just be, I'll kind of be, I'll clock out mentally and like, the match won't be as good as it could have been because they're hard to work with. And that's mm. those types of people don't get brought back a whole lot. Um, I don't, I don't see those kind of people on too many shows. Um, uh, uh, at least the shows that I do, like I think the promotions I work for uh, bring in my quality, uh, quality guys. So I never really have to worry about uh, that happening. Um, and uh, when it does, I can, I can, I can squash it like no problem. Yeah. Yeah. You had a, uh, you had a lot of talented guys, especially in the championship wrestling uh, from Hollywood. I mean, I had, I did, I had uh, Danny limelight on recently as well. Uh, very nice dude. Uh, now I looked up some of the matches that you had, like on, you know, those like cage fight and all those websites that have oh, yeah. your list of matches. Cage, cage match, cage fight. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, am I correct? You wrestled Ruby Rays as well at one point. So I wrestled Rays, I think I, I want to say it's 2018. Okay. No, I wrestled. Her, no, I wrestled her twice. Actually, I wrestled her once uh, for the first time in 2018, I think, and then I had a match with her a year ago. I feel like. Okay. Ocean, you know, both singles. So when you're doing an intergender wrestling match, how does that change psychology? Psychology wise, I talked to her a little bit about this on this podcast uh, from the female perspective of intergender wrestling. But how about from the male perspective? Like, what do you like? Sit there and think. Okay, what can I do in this match versus what I shouldn't do? How do I make it so that you know it doesn't look like I'm either getting hit too hard or that I'm hitting her too hard. And everyone's like, this isn't, unco- this is uncomfortable. Right. It's a very, very thin line. It's it, 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 everyone can do intergender. That's just, let me just say that like, everyone can do it because lots of it. Um, I feel like the problem with a lot of intergender wrestling is, is the believability. And I think, uh, um, and also making sure it's not uncomfortable looking. Now I know that, you know, wrestlers are wrestlers and we're, you know, we're on the same, we bump in the same ring, we hit the same ropes, you know what I mean? Go to the same training. But the truth is, uh, you know, I'm a lot bigger than most women, you know? And um, so with that, like what I do is I'll put together, um, like when I do it, it'll be like, I treat them like almost like, like really small cruiserweights. So like to me, they're just cruiserweights, you know? So like mm-hmm. I would do similar uh, things with a cruiserweight that I would do with them. Um, but at the same time, like there's certain things that societally, you know, we shouldn't do. Like I, I, I try not to hit women in matches. Um, you know, I'll, I'll backbreaker the, the fuck out of a woman. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the shit. You know, you know. But as far as like, like striking, like I just, I don't personally like doing it. I've done it. I have done it a few times. I just don't. I never like to do it. Um, when, now, when it comes to to, to Gina specifically. Um, like I look to her as more of like an equal in the ring, uh, as far as like like uh, with like uh, not really equal. I'm still bigger. I mean, I'm still a lot bigger than she is. Yeah, but Ray's can handle handle herself. Yeah, <laughs> like like yeah, she's uh, she's definitely like as close to equal as I'll probably get with energy in wrestling. Um, so like you know, it was no problem. Like you know, she's giving me like power bombs and like Germans and like uh, 
suplex, whatever it is, you know. Um, and we tried to avoid striking still just because that's just how we were raised. Um, and, you know, I don't like, you know, I never want to lay a finger you know, on a woman. But, um, you know, her, you know, I chopped her, chopped her up a few times because uh, I feel like, I feel like it was fine. I feel like people wouldn't cringe at that. I feel like people would uh, be cool with it. And they were because um, they looked at her as, you know, we, we, we kind of put her over as like a force in the ring. So um, me hitting her, you know, people forget that she's, you know, a woman, you know. In that sense, you know, obviously she's a woman when you look at her, but I mean, yeah. like, when it comes to like being a competitor, like, um, because we build her a certain way, uh, it's fine for, you know, she and I to like bop each other back and forth, you know? Um, but yeah. Speaking of chops, I'm always curious about this just cause it's a, it's always a fun question. I like asking, uh, who's got the hardest chops you've experienced. Who's hit me the hardest. Okay. I can tell you who. Okay, there's like two guys who have like the best chops. I think I think uh, at least in SoCal, I think Brody King and Bateman have the best chops. Um, I think who's hit me the hardest though is this dude uh, Billy. You know Billy Blade. Mm-hmm. He does this overhand like chop that feels like lightning bolt hitting your chest, like and like it like scars your chest. And like uh, I remember he gave it to I remember, the last time he gave it to me was like actually I think right after Tough Enough he gave me that shit, and I just. Bam! Right in the face, like, <laughs> because because uh, he hit me like you don't gotta hit me that hard. <laughs> he he, sw- he hit me with all of his all of his like he stepped into it like all of his might. I'm like, bro, you you, you could have gotten the same sound with half that force, bro. Like, <laughs> but he just like like palm all my shit. But um, uh, I say he probably has the hardest one, but not for a good reason. The best the best are probably uh, Brody and Bateman. Those are probably the two mm. best. I remember one time uh, when I was doing pro wrestling training at Pro Wrestling Iron, uh, we were like, had to like practice chops on each other at yeah. one point. And one guy, when he got me, he got me in the middle of the chest, like mm. on the sternum. Mm. And I was like, what, 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 what was that, bro? I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's not a, that's not a fun feeling. You know what that, like the sternum and like, like, as long as your palm doesn't go in the sternum, it's all good. Like, if yeah. you get, this is cool, but like that, like. Yeah, that's what he got me. It was like, it was like, like it, it thumped. It didn't even slap. Oh, so like, dunk. I was like. It probably knocked the wind out of you too. That sounds awful. Yeah, that was no fun. Uh, no. Have you have you worked with anyone who was, speaking of getting stiff, someone who was too stiff in the ring and you had to, besides that time, maybe you had to be like, hey man, like calm down. <laughs> like, you know. Mm. You know, I've, there are times where I should have done that, but I've never actually done it. I've never actually told someone to calm down during a match. I've been told to calm down before, though. Mm. I wrestled that. Actually, not not really to calm down. Um, I, I had a match with uh, Colt Cabana like eight years, I don't know, forever ago. Um, and uh, like six years ago or something like that, a singles match. And like I went for a lockup and I must have like rubbed his ear on the way to the collar. And he, he was like, Jesus, lighten up. And, and like, and that was like the very first thing in the match that we did. Oh I wow! Like, oh, I was like, "God damn, here we go, man!" Like, like <laughs> so. But he, his rest of the match was fine. I apologize, you know, said sorry or whatever. But, um, but yeah, that's really the only time that I've been told to calm down. Um, I don't know. I, I lay it in, and uh, and I expect to get it laid into me too. So um, that's me. To me, that's wrestling is 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 smacking the shit out of each other and making mm-hmm. a good sound. Um. 
especially on the, on the independent level where the crowd's right there, like like they need they they, they need the, that thud, you know. So um, yeah, I mean, I haven't had too much of a problem with that over the years. Yeah, well, you know, that's it, it is part and parcel with the business. I guess the only problem comes when the other person doesn't realize that that's the case, right? right. And they're like, "Well, what's happening right now?" Right. You you said you haven't traveled that much, but then you dropped China in in there out of nowhere. So I, I gotta ask about that. What was that like wrestling in China? Um, it's China's a whole other whole other world, man. Like um, obviously the language barrier and all that. Oh, like I that. just went there a, a few months, like a couple months before the whole COVID thing happened. Okay, do you know? Yeah, it's 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 not like going to like a European country. It's 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 an Asian country and it's completely different. You you feel, you are definitely like you are immediately like. You are not from there. They know you're not from there and they act like you're not from there. They will stare at you and like follow you from a distance and take, record you with their phone and take pictures. And uh, yeah, but it was a lot of fun though. Like um, that we did a show. Uh, yeah. It's two years ago now. And um, uh, it was to make, it was to make the, uni- well, part of the, what would happen was the United uh, champion, the, the titles, uh, we made them world championships on, on that trip because we de- defended them on Chinese soil. Um, it was a blast, man. They treated us like we were freaking rock stars. Like right when we got off the plane, um, they had like those, like a gigantic like banner, you know, welcoming us in the airport. And there's, there's like tons of photographers, like some stuff you see out of a movie, you know, and like we got shuttled into like a, like, a, a, a caravan of like limos, like a blockade of limousines and got in there, like shuttled away to the hotel, uh, you know, pictures, 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 like uh, on, on the hood of the car had like our pictures on it, like on the, like the Range Rovers and stuff. And like, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, like, it was, that was insane. I, I really wish that could have caught on because uh, that would have been, I mean, that would have been really fun to, to get to go back to China. And what were and uh, what were the crowds like there? Did you work with anyone from there, or did you just work with uh, the guys from back here? Oh, we we brought the show there. It was it was uh, it was myself and uh, Alex Chamberlain versus uh, Reno Scum. Okay. And, uh, the Scum were amazing. So, uh, and they were the champs at the time, and they did they defended the belts against us and retained, obviously. But um, it was a ton, it was a ton of fun. What's funny about that particular show, though, is the ring that we wrestled in was the same ring that I trained in at the Inoki Dojo back in like 2007. So like that exact, like they brought the ring from LA to China. So it was the, I, cause the reason why I know that because Simon, Simon Inoki, uh, he used to be the VP of new Japan, I think, or something like, or president of new Japan back in the day. Um, that ring was for the, do- the Inoki Dojo. And that's why I trained there for a little bit, um, before I found Knox pro, but, um, yeah, he he said the ring is that's the same one I bumped in uh, in LA is the one I'm bumping in in China. Like, like what? What a weird like full circle so like weird. of your indie career so far. You're like, it's like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and what were the crowds there like? So we drew. So it was a ten thousand seat arena, I believe, and um, there's about six thousand people there. Five to six thousand people there. It's it was a good good sized crowd, especially at the time. Like China didn't know shit about wrestling. So we were like almost like teaching them how to be wrestling fans in a way, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fun time. Like it was interesting. Like their their reactions to things are a lot different than here. Mm. Um, it was it's like a mixture of like uh, like the Japanese style, like like pro wrestling Noah, 
like those fans are silent until something big. Then they're like, whoa, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. Um, the Chinese fans that we had were similar to that, but there was more uh, pockets of people who would cheer. You know, they're very more pockets. So it's like, it's a little smarky, I guess, if I, for lack of a better word, um, but also very much like the Japanese crowds. Um, just respect, a lot of respect. And, um, but yeah, but they definitely made noise. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, any interesting stories involving, you know, you're traveling with a bunch of wrestlers and wrestlers for, you know, I, I, I want to talk to Top Gun about this. I mentioned that wrestling is, especially for wrestlers, it's kind of like a second childhood. Like mm-hmm. you got a bunch of guys, you're all hanging out. It's almost like sleepover camp. You're, you know, especially if you travel someplace, any good stories involving, you know, maybe some of the culture shock or the way some of the guys handled it? China, yeah. Uh, Luster Legend did not want to leave the hotel. He did not want to leave. He's not down. Like we had to pull, we had, we had to drag him by his freaking ears to get, leave the hotel. It was me, uh, uh, Thornstow, um, who else is Heather, Heather Monroe was on that group. Uh, and uh, who's Nick Bonanno, uh, senior official for uh, Hollywood. Um, yeah, we were kind of the crew that would go do stuff and uh, less, uh, he didn't want to do it. So we had to drag him out. And uh, it was great because, like, we didn't speak any English or, sorry, any Chinese. And uh, the cab, the cabbies didn't speak any English. so Not at all. The, the town that we were in wasn't even, like, a, a town that people visit. It was, like, a port town. What so was the name of the town? Uh, Wenzhou. Wenzhou? Okay. Yeah. There's no American. There's no English anywhere. Like, that place is not for Americans to visit. But um, so it was interesting, like, getting cab rides into the city and uh, – um, and just like the way we would do it, like I would pull up my phone and be like, here? And he'd be like, okay. And then, you know, he'd take us there, but it'd be like 30 minute drive. And like, and then, you know, here to go back, you know, and they would take us back, you know? So that's a, that kind of thing was fun. Um, just just the architecture, there's so much to look at, you know? It was like so much to look at. And that was just different than anything I could find here. Um, people, oh, the driving there is crazy. Like people will just drive like, I, it's like traffic signs are optional. They're they're suggested, but they're not required. Like there's a stoplight. Yeah, you don't have to. You know, you don't yeah. have to. They just they just go. So that I didn't know beforehand. So that was really scary at first. Um, but uh, or, or when you're crossing the street and it's like, oh, there are cars coming, but you just have to go because yeah. otherwise they won't stop. You have right. to go. So you basically are just like, I'm putting my life in this dude's hands right now. I'm just gonna walk. All right, here we are. Yep. Yep. So many times we ran across the street like. Um, I have a lot of Snapchat stories saved from that trip that uh, I should go back and look at that of this, of like us crossing the, the you know, oh God, don't die, you know, and, and, and even being in the taxi, like just, you know, filming like other cars, like coming like this close to us, like on, on all sides. And, Everyone's just honking. Oh, so many, oh, drives me crazy. Yeah. Everyone's just, cause, cause it's not honking like here where it's like, what the fuck? Like everyone's right. honking. They're like, I'm here. Just so you know, I'm right like, here. That's Hello, I'm right is. here. And you're like it's so aggravating when you hear it because we're so used to, you know, conditioned over here to being like, who's honking at me? What's going right. on right now? Right. right. We see it as, a, as, as aggression where they see it as, yeah. safety, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the, and, and there's a personal space issue there also. What personal? There's no personal space in China. Yeah. No. I don't know how many, I've, I've never been shoulder checked so many times by people that when I was in China, I was like, why do you, why is everyone doing this to me? Right. Yeah. It's, not because they're rude. I thought it was rudeness, but they're not rude. That's just their culture. There's so many, there's yeah. so many people there that they don't really have time for like 
traditional Western politeness. They need to get, there's someone, they have to keep moving there. They have to. Yeah. Cause it's yeah, and, they're, and it's just like accepted. They're just like, no, this is how we do things. Mm-hmm. And, and rightfully so, by the way, they're like, Hey, you got to acclimate. You're in our country. <laughs> and that's kind of like, that's, that's kind of true. Yeah. We yeah. got to, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things, but yeah, I went to, speaking of the cab thing, I did the same thing because we were trying to go to Shanghai Disneyland and we were like, we we're like, oh, we want to go, we want to go here. And he's like, what? And he's, cause it's all in English. And he's like, I, and we're like, you know, Disneyland. He's all Disney. We're like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, we're like, oh, okay. So that, that's all we had to say, I guess. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's yeah, good though. Okay. I mean, everyone knows Disney. That's a, that, that's a universal word in all languages. Yeah. So we got kind of a cult federation here in Northern California called hood slam. And, uh, yeah, you did a couple shows at Hood Slam. Uh, what did you think of it? And uh, what was your experience when you first checked it out? I mean, you're no stranger to the indie scene, so I'm sure you've been at some banana shows. But what did you think of Hood Slam? Hood Slam was probably the funnest show. Like, outside of uh, old bar wrestling shows, like, Hood Slam was definitely the most fun. Because, uh, like, that's a place where, like, you don't really have to do your gimmick, your normal gimmick. You can go up there and do whatever character you want. And all the fans there are in on the joke. So it's like they... They're, they're, they pop for everything and you know they're you know drunk or stoned or whatever having a good time and it's just positive vibes there man like if you're, if you're feeling down about life and you need some like an infusion of positivity check out the let's slam show those are the those are the shows that especially like once we're able to do to go to shows again like i recommend everyone go to at least one a month at least one because they'll it's great so whose idea was watska uh watska's my idea um it's because it was the uh it was the drag uh the drag show yeah and uh i think Oscar's awesome and uh, i was like i can be watska so um that's uh how that happened <laughs> okay <laughs> sounds good uh what uh if you had to choose uh what kind of style you like to wrestle as far as not taking your size or anything into account. If you were to pick like a certain style of wrestling to, let's say you wanted to be, you know, a major cruiserweight doing 450 splashes everywhere. What would be the style that you would pick personally? If you had, you know, no limitations in the world. Um, hmm. Honestly, like it would be cool to be able to like springboard more consistently, but the way I wrestle now, um, is kind of what I like because I, I was a big fan of uh, this style growing up in um, like the, the, the uh, American television style. Mm-hmm. Mine is like a mix of a little bit of Lucha, like Lucha hybrid American style. Um, and like, uh, I don't know, like Mike Awesome, I suppose. Like, see, I, if I, could just I was be hoping him, if I could just be him, <laughs> his style. Like, yeah, because yeah, you do a variation of the Awesome Bomb. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do some. I do some power stuff like him, but he was something else. He's he 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 was one of a kind. Yeah, I loved. I remember, uh, you know, back before the internet had every match available online. You know, just going back and being able to find stuff of his Japan stuff where he's just taking bumps that are horrendous. You're just like, how are you getting power bombed from the inside of the ring to the outside through a table, like on the back of your head? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right, and still getting up and springboarding and jumping into the, like the crowd, like yeah, just, I mean, dude, dude was unreal. Like if I could pick, it, that's that's a good question. I never actually thought about that, but if I were to pick something, I wish I could do. It would be it would be that. Just everything he can do, I would love to be able to do. Super ahead of his time. If he came along today, he'd be the number one guy. Period. I think. Yeah, you could see him like on an AEW or something like. Oh yeah. 
Fucking it out with Luchasaurus or any of those guys just like doing all that stuff. Damn. Uh, All right, brother. I appreciate you being on, but I think the booker has just ran out. He's pissed off. It is time to take it home, brother. You know, the deposit on the the veterans hall is it's going to run out and they have cleaning deposits going to be forfeited. All right. He's (laughs) I got some rapid fire questions. If you want to digress though, there's no, it's not a hard, you know, and fast thing here. You don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, adhere to time. Uh, if you're not wrestling, what is your favorite thing to do creatively? I like to uh, play around with like different merch ideas. Um, my bachelor's my, my bachelor's degree is in graphic design, so I have designed a lot of my 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 shirts and um, a lot of my merch. I design all my gear. Um, yeah, designing is fun. I also love video games. I mean, that's not really creative, but I don't know, it's fun. Yeah, just design stuff. Okay, so would that would you say if if you know wrestling wasn't something you were into, that'd be what you would be into? Would be graphic design? Um, yeah, I, if I weren't able to wrestle, I feel like I would have pushed that way harder. Um, I'm all right. I'm not the best, but uh, if I put the time into it that I did with wrestling, I would I'd be really good by now. All right. Uh, what's your favorite move or hold that you don't use? Ooh. Um, Dang, such a good question. I really, what move that pops me every every time? Uh, I really like the martinis that Peter Avalon does. Uh, it's the one where he like kicks him in the gut, hits the ropes, like he kicks him in the stomach. They're they're hunched over. He hits the ropes behind him and does like a double knee to the back of their like back of their. Oh head. yeah, that's it's just I've never seen anyone do that move before him. Um, I used to love I used to love the V trigger a lot. Um, but now I'm kind of sick of seeing it. Everyone <laughs> 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 does it now. Everybody just does it. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, I don't know. There's so many moves, man, like um, that are coming to my mind that uh, are just awesome. So much talent out there right now. Um, it's like ooh, when you're playing like an old wrestling video game and like your entire move set is all just finishers. You're like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's so much. Like, like, but yeah, I don't know. I guess those come to mind. Yeah. Uh, what's the craziest fan interaction you've had? Uh, I mean, I've had some crazy, like, like fans who try to push too far, um, as far How as so? you know, hanging out after shows and, you know, whatever, at, like in a hotel room trying to hang out type of stuff. But I feel like, uh, the craziest thing, like, huh, what is the craziest thing? I don't know. Like I haven't really had those, like, I haven't had any really terrible experiences with fans yet. Um, I feel like fans, there have been tons of crazy fans that I've met. Um, there are tons of crazy fans that go that, that come to do shows that I do, but nothing that's been like problematic Okay, that I couldn't handle really. Uh, I've heard of some fans being crazy. Like uh, it's unlucky cause I'm a dude in wrestling. So like, like, like women in wrestling have it much worse than me. Like they, I'm sure they have tons of fan stories. Like I've seen some of the stories, heard some of the stories. Um, seen some of the DMs or whatever screenshots, but like, oh, that's why when I had Ruby Rays on the podcast, the first yeah. thing I did was like, thank you for looking at the DM I sent you. I uh, imagine it's a hellscape that you don't yeah. normally oh, want to do. Oh man, I can't imagine what it's like for for women in wrestling. Uh, besides potentially trying to hurt you, what's the worst thing that someone can do in a match that you're working with? Stink. I really hate it. People smell bad, so like. I don't know how big of an issue this is with the girls, but with the guys, like there's just 
Sometimes, man, like a little bit of Febreze or a little Axe will go a long way. Like those knee pads, once your knee pads go, like they're gone. Like, <laughs> they're smell, they smell forever. So I think just dudes just smelling like shit is what I don't like. Um, aside from them hurting me, I'd rather yeah. have the smell not bad. Yeah. I just had, I always have to preface that question because the first time, few times I did this podcast, I'd be like, what's the worst thing someone could do? It'd be like, try to hurt me. And I'm like, okay. I, yeah. I was like, I got to preface that because that is the worst thing uh it, it just reminds me of uh vader always had that apparent thing where apparently his hygiene wasn't his main concern when he wrestled oh. that oh. was uh it was mentioned on a few podcasts i've been listening to uh they kept, yeah and then it made me kind of look at some of the matches differently because there's a match where him and like a japanese dude are stiffing the shit out of each other and then when he goes to pin him he just takes his armpit and just puts it right on the guy's face. And I'm like, is he doing this on purpose? No, I'm like, is. I think he is. He is, 100%. <laughs> oh, that, that dude, that dude, first of all, Vader's a man. Let me just say yeah. that. Oh, well, but probably the big, best big man in all, history of wrestling. Right? Yeah, it's hard to argue that. There's not much of an argument to that. But like, uh, I have seen like old WCW jobber uh, clips of him just mauling people. So like him, the idea of him putting his armpit on somebody's face isn't outside the realm of possibility for him. Yeah. yeah. Guy like to throw a potato a lot. Oh, he did. Oh boy, he clobbered <laughs> people. He sure did. Uh, when's the last time you were legitimately surprised by a worker that you were in with a ma- in a match? Oh, legitimately surprised. Um, so who's like really good? Is what you're saying? Uh, ooh. I wasn't surprised by it because I know like he's really good, but working with Rocky Romero, like he's so good. He's so good. He's good from like the fans perspective, but also as like a worker, like we know who's just based on how someone feels and how they communicate during the match and like how their light they are, all that stuff. Like you can just, he's one of the best I've ever wrestled. And I've wrestled some, you know, big old gigantic names, but he's probably better than all of them. Like he's just, as far as like, he's a worker's worker, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, he, that dude deserves all the riches in the world for as good as he is. Um, I would say, I would say him. Kind of jumping on that. You've been involved in indie wrestling for a while now. Uh, what are some guys that you saw that you thought, damn, this dude, any minute now, he's going to quote unquote, make it, he's going to get called up to either, you know, WWE or impact or someone like that, uh, TNA at the time, I guess. And, uh, but it just never happened. And you never understood why, like Oliver John. Did the second person to mention that Oliver John, Oliver John should have made all the money. Um, but he was maybe five years too soon. If he was like five, if he would have came along five years later, he would be, how you'd have a big contract right now. Mm. Yeah. I always uh, think about that with uh, some of the guys who worked up in their Northern California who had great careers. They went to Japan, they did all that stuff. But like, like guys like Michael Modest, I thought if he came around, you know, five, 10 years later, even 15 years later, I was like, damn, like this guy would be on like every PWG show. He would be like, you know, and then eventually getting, you know, more, but that's the way it goes. It's, it's timing. Like guys like jungle boy and, um, Marco Stun and uh, Private Party guys like that are super lucky that they're young during this time because yeah. when I was during when I was around their age it was a recession and, and WWE it was super hard to get a job back then and they weren't really signing that many people and there was no AEW and like there was no MLW or yeah. NWA you know and so it's like 
the Ring of Honor was different back then too, even. So it's like now there's so many opportunities and it's great. Like this, this is the best time. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the time WWE would be more likely to hire you if you played college football than if you wrestled for 20 years. 100%. 100%. Things have changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there a, ever a time when a booker tried to stiff you on money? I mean, all the time that they tried to do that shit. Like, uh, you know, it's a lot of empty chairs out there, brother. I know I promised you, you know, 10, but here's five or whatever it is. You know, that that's not that low, but pretty much, um, you know, like I've had guys um, just pay me. Like I actually got, actually, it's funny you say that. I actually got paid um, two days ago for shows I did in 2019. I got super late. So Damn, put some interest you know, on that shit. So, you know, like, <laughs> You know, it's whatever. I, I just thought I was never going to get it. I kind of whatever, but I saw my PayPal notifications. Oh, look at that! You know, wow, good on you. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like getting stuff done pay is kind of par for the course, man. Like that's just how it goes. But thankfully, the groups I work with now, like, um, never have or will probably. Yeah, you don't have to say there are any any names of organizations, but there are play other places that you're like, I'm never going back there because. Uh, no. No, even even after getting stiffed on pay, you're like, ah, well, well. Well, I just knew that that was a possibility going in, so like, it's not their fault; it's my fault. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, all right, um, I hadn't wrestled, and I don't know. Like, I I was wrestling a lot, so I wanted to keep my momentum. Like, I, I wanted the reps. Um, so I so I just did it. Um, you I'll treat this like a training course, basically. Exactly, like you know, for 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 this one time, it would be training, you know. Uh, but I still want you to pay me, but you can pay me late. But the yeah. thing is I always get paid. I've always gotten paid. I've never not gotten my money eventually. So, um, okay. but yeah, as far as like the late payment crap, like that, that stuff, that stuff happens sometimes. Uh, what's the best mistake you've made in pro wrestling? Oh, best mistake. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know. Some would say tough enough, <laughs> but, uh, but I think the best, mis- I don't know. Like what's, what's the good thing that I didn't mean to happen. I guess, uh, one time I got boots made, um, like this was like 10, like I don't know, eight years ago or so I got boots made. Uh, I, I ordered boots and, uh, but I didn't tell my girlfriend at the time that I did and just got them whatever. And then, but she like, took measurements of me, like in secret. She was like, oh, I'm measuring you because I want to see about a costume or some sort of, I don't know. She made us some bullshit lie. And uh turns out she's measuring me for boots and uh, for wrestling boots, but, she, but she, she didn't know that I got my own. So mine came and they're horrible. They didn't fit, like they just didn't work. But the ones that she got came and they were perfect. So it's like me ordering, like my boots were a mistake, but like it worked out for me in the end because she got me those. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Oh boy. Um, I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't, I can't think of one time, but cause I laugh a lot at indie shows, but I think like whenever like someone who thinks they're hot shit, like fucks up in a match, like that stuff's always funny to me. <laughs> someone like comes in like kind of big leaguing people and like not really being friendly. And then, acting like they know it all and they like slip on the rope or they like, you know, forget a spot or something. That stuff's funny as hell to me. It's like, ah, look at this guy, you know? Yeah. Are you uh, more likely to break during a match or try to make someone break during a match? 
Um, I've broken a few times, uh, but I don't really try to make people break. Um, uh, I mean, like, yeah, I don't really try to just because I don't want to take them out of their zone. Um, I think if they break their concentration and they might not be as safe as they were before that, or mm. they might not, they might take them out of their rhythm. I don't know. I just try to, I try to stick to the script, uh, for lack of a better word, script, uh, yeah. for the most part. But, uh, you know, I love to ad lib. I love to mess around, but I, I don't try to break people just cause I don't want oh, yeah. them to lose their train of thought. Yeah. I imagine that must be harder in the beginning when you're trying to like play like a serious, super like yeah. tough guy. And then like, you know, if somebody makes like a random inside joke, you're like, yeah, that's, that, that's me. I'm that. Yeah. That's my reaction. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've uh, been to a lot of shows, seen a lot of stuff. What's the worst gimmick you've seen? Hmm. What is the worst gimmick I've seen? Oh, my buddy, uh, my, my buddy, uh, Jarrell, Marcus Riot, um, Jarrell Diaz, he, uh, he had this freaking like lion gimmick that lovely guy, but that mask was so bad <laughs> that I couldn't stop laughing at it when I, whenever he would wrestle in it. And what made it more funny is that he like really like liked it and like no one had the heart to tell him that it was awful. <laughs> um, that that gimmick comes to mind. Um, yeah. I mean, the Indies nowadays, like there's not a whole lot of gimmick happening. Yeah, uh, I mean, you have guys like Warhorse and Dan House and guys like that, but outside of those, you don't get too many too many gimmick p- characters. So it's hard to really pinpoint a bad a bad gimmick right now. But, What's the most overused thing right now? Uh, I'll give an example from when I when I was working camera for indie wrestling in the early two thousands. Um, everyone loved Raven, so for some reason, everyone wore a cut off t shirt and jean shorts to the ring everyone it was bananas after the shield debuted all of a sudden everyone had vests and i was like why does everyone have a vest what would you say now is just the most overused like come on guys like you all everyone why are you all doing this um probably the destroyer um the the destroyer has gone to the point now where it doesn't even get that big of a pot when you see it in a match like like i mean i know we're in quarantine and everything now but like before before all this, like you'd see like somebody bust out a destroyer in an indie show and it would get the same pop as a power slam, like, like a running power slam, you know, or even less of a pop than that. Like running power slams get bigger pops now than, than, than destroyers do. Um, mm. Like the, you know, the Orton Smojo style. Um, those get more of a pop than a destroyers. I think that's the, I just, if I never saw another destroyer again, I'd be happy. Um, and it's like, it sucks because like now, like the boys are having to like do crazier and crazier ones just to get a pop. Like, uh, uh nick i think gave uh phoenix a destroyer off of like to the outside on the group of people phoenix gave phoenix gave matt a destroyer to the outside and i was like that was crazy to see but it's like damn that's what that's what it's come to though like that movie's been done so many times that that's what you got to do now to get a pop to get a rise um i would say i would say that um that's probably the biggest one for me okay and uh you mentioned a little bit wrestling, you know, quote unquote names, bigger guys, uh, any former WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW, any guys that you wrestled, not necessarily against you, but were on the same show as you that thought they were bigger than the show acted like they were bigger than the show. I mean, this isn't really a surprise, but I feel like big Papa pump is kind of like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. I wasn't mad at him for it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you are like you are. I mean, you're hot. You're Scott Steiner. I get it. Um, yeah. He wasn't really rude. He just kind of kept to himself. 
and I had his own private area, like separate from everybody. This was actually during the year ago I did. I worked, I worked uh, impact show a year ago. Um, it was me and Chris Bay versus uh, PP Ray. And um, Steiner was on the roster at that time. And he would kind of just like big league the fuck out of everybody. And you know what? All good. You know, hmm. you're, you're, you're Scott Steiner, you know, you're, you know, whatever you've you done some things, you know, he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't disrespectful about it, but yeah, it definitely was like, everyone stay over there and I'll stay over here type of thing. Yeah. I like Chris Bay. Cool dude. Yeah. Chris Very Bay. nice guy. He's, uh, he's doing well right now too. Yeah. How was that? How was it like working at impact? What was that? Uh, I mean, like, you know, you, you were part of a big WWE production, you know, it was reality TV, but you know, you were around that area at the time. What was it like checking out impact in comparison? Um, yeah, I mean, I've done I've done uh, extra work for WWE also. Um, I did it for Lucha Underground, um, but Impact was uh, is, Impact is different now. They they run differently now. They kind of partner with different promotions. Um, well, at least they did. Um, but um, so they partnered with Hollywood for this one, for this like loop of shows. Um, I don't know. Everyone seemed real cool. Uh, you know the the roster was real friendly. Um, yeah, people were really really nice, and they were helpful with like advice and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was more of a low, more of a chilled vibe too. I think because it's not live, mm-hmm. or maybe it was. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was live. Or no, it was live actually. I don't know. The vibe was just different. You know what I mean? Like because everyone there, like either like is like uh, has you know not really big weren't didn't have a big WWE run, so they're kind of indie guys who got signed to Impact type of thing. So like they kind of had more appreciation for where they are, uh, where they were. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everyone's just cooler. I don't know. And what was the uh, extra stuff you did for WWE? So okay, um, I've done a lot, but I've done. I did a segment a couple years ago uh, where it was myself and Bateman and Pinky, and we were like uh, Daniel Bryan's like security, and uh, I had to handcuff Kevin Owens to the ring rope. Funny story about that is actually before we went out there, I fucking messed up and like locked, I cuffed the cuffs together or I cuffed one of them together. I was like, oh God, and we were, we were, we were on next live and I cuffed them together and I, that I would have botched the whole thing. So I go up to uh, Brian, you know, Daniel Bryan and uh, hey bro, do you have the key? Man, I kind of did a thing. He, he was real cool. He laughed about it, gave him the key, unlocked it. And then right when he unlocked it and then his music hit, I had to give him the key back. And then we had to go out there and do the thing with Kevin. Oh, wow. um, so, uh, yeah, so that was pretty funny, but I've also done, uh, I don't know. I've been a, I was a no way Jose conga, conga person. Um, I was, uh, I did, uh, um, I did, I was part of like the Braun Strowman Tyson Fury bit. Um, Tyson Fury actually punched me in the face. That sucked. Like, oh, so that that whole thing. So we were going over that spot before the show, and then Vince, like, Vince himself comes out, and he never comes out, like, for anything. And he came out. Is this and, the first time you saw him in person? Uh, not the first time, but the first time working with him on a on a segment directly, though. Oh, yeah. And uh, he uh, just told Tyson, no, oh, they're used to it. Just, just knock them all out. Just hit them. I was like, Vince, like, <laughs> I don't want to get hit by this man. Like, like. So like um, he he didn't kill me with his punch, but like he had to learn how to like this world class world champion boxer had to learn how to throw work punches like hours before the segment, you know. So oh. thankfully he didn't kill me with it. But I'll tell you what, like seeing him cock back without a glove on and like come at you, like 
fewer things are scarier than that. Let me tell you. Yeah. It's a, it's a know that you have to let him hit you. You can't like, you can't, you have to let him hit you. So I was like, oh God, you know? And like, I tried to like spin with it as it came. So like, hopefully like they'll get a shot of like that where I could like glaze it. But yeah, he caught me a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Okay. I've also, I also did a thing with Roman Reigns. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I forget. I've done a bunch. And when you're around there, uh, did anyone like a producer or any talent be like, weren't you on tough enough a while ago? Yeah, it's crazy. I know most of the people there. Uh, okay. A lot of those guys are my friends, uh, like the wrestlers, the talent. So at this point, who hits you up for, you know, when it's, when it's time to, if they need some guys, like, do you get it for yourself or, oh, sorry. Uh, Brian Kendrick hits me up. Okay. There you go. Yeah. He's, he's been great. He's been, he's, he's, he's been awesome. That dude is not a lot for me. Um, but uh, yeah, he's the, he's the main one that, um, is like my connects. Okay. Yeah. And like, I'm see, I'm always, I'm always more interested in the weird minutia of things. So like, you know, what, what, like how early do you get there? Like what's, what's that whole situation like? And from basically everything I've always heard, how great is the catering? (laughs) So so call time is usually 11 um, AM for extras. And um, they get you then you kind of sign, you check in with uh, talent relations and then, um, they show you where catering is and then they show you where your closet is that you're going to dress in. So extras always get the shaft when it comes to dressing rooms at WWE. Um, uh, so uh, most of our days, are sp- most, of the, most of our day is spent in, in, in the small room or at, sitting at catering whenever it's not busy. If it's busy at catering, you know, the respectful thing to do is to kind of make way, make way for the you know people who work there. But um, for the most part, you know, there's a, there's a spot for us to chill for the whole show and um, that catering, they'll come and get us uh, as they need us or whatever rehearsals or segments or whatever it is. But um, yeah, um, the food is great. I mean, to be honest, the last few times haven't been my favorite to be completely honest. Um, mm. Standards yeah. are slipping at the E. Okay. Yeah, I feel like quality's <laughs> down a little bit. Quality's, quality's been down the last year, last year or two, Dang. But, uh, but it's still better than anything I could, I want to cook, you know, it's still yeah. made food. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the catering catering there is, I'm sure, better than anywhere else you can find. Um, but uh, yeah, last couple of years though, it's been a little slipping, slipping a little bit. Uh, any uh, funny pranks or embarrassing stories from your time on the Indies? Um, I, I, I don't so so I like pranks. I don't do a, a, like big ones because like I don't want to like I don't know I don't want a confrontation with people. <laughs> but yeah. uh, sometimes I'll hide people's like like entrance gear or like belt. Like let's say someone's a champion, they're looking for their belt. Like I, I I can tell those who really care about being champions like a whole lot and like it's fun to fuck with them and like hide their belts. Um and and then have them seen them freak out about it for the whole show or like hide their like hide like a boot or something. I'm more of a i I hide stuff. That's what I do. And then uh I hide stuff and then and then I blame other people. Like, oh no he did it. You know, I, you know I saw him do it. You know, that kind of thing. Um but uh yeah nothing you no know, harmless stuff like that. Nothing nothing crazy. I always love hiding stuff uh, in plain sight. Always yeah. like putting up like a pie somewhere. Yeah. Or it's like, the pie. Yeah. 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 You're like, you're like, what? It's right there. Yeah. You can't yeah. see or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, what's the worst injury you've gotten working? Oh, injuries, man. Okay. So I spent the first like, like 10 or so years injury, relatively injury free. I've, I've had nagging things here and there, but New Year's Eve, 2018 tore my pec bicep and my, and my deltoid or uh, my front delt at the same same time it just popped 
Um, and then, so that's been like a long, you can see my pack is still kind of messed up from it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Compared to this one's like normal. And then you have like that. But um, um, I still need to get, I need to get it reattached still. I just have it. It doesn't hurt. I just leave it, whatever. Wrestler, wrestler's life, you know how it goes. Um, and then um, earlier this year, I separated my shoulder also on the left side. Um, sorry, that was, uh, yeah, this year, I think, I think that was just, that was either this year, this year or last, late last year. I think it was this year. But I separated my shoulder and then um, a month or so after that, I tore ligaments on my foot also on the left side. So my, my the left side of my body is just like, if this were a video game, it'd be like orange. Like, yeah. it's like just orange. My right side is green, you know? So yeah. it's been a rough, rough past couple of years for injuries, but uh, I think that has a lot to do with, well, lots of it's freak accident stuff. Um, but lots of that has to do with kind of the style, like my evolved kind of style, like more, uh, just more aggressive, more, uh, mm. just more stuff happens in my matches now than, than, than what used to. So, yeah. You did the snap on that side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Hulk. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's what that explains it. You know? Yeah. All right. Uh, I call this the uh, touchy feely question of the segment. It's the last uh, question you're going to get. What is your pure joy in wrestling? Whether it be before, after, during the match, what's something that when it happens, you get goosebumps. You're like, this is why I fucking love this business. This is why I love wrestling. I love when I, I love when an idea that I, that I have gets received well by the crowd. So like, even if it's not me involved, even if it's like, um, like let's say somebody comes to me for their match and they like ask me what to do, I'm like they tell them, and then like the crowd that eats that shit up, I love that. Like that tells me that like I'm I'm in the right business, I'm doing the right thing. Um, I also love like the like hanging out with the boys in the back. Like sometimes like that's better than the actual match, like hanging out with the homies, because um, that's like my social life is wrestling also. So like. Um, you know, crack up in a beer with Ray, you know, after a show was cool or, you know, hanging out with like Andy or whoever else, uh, Cody, you know, um, after the show is fun. I mean, I, I like the brotherhood aspect of it. Um, but as far as like that feeling, you know, that, that powerful feeling, I love when my ideas get over with crowd. Can you when, think of when, a time, an example, like a time you thought of some spots or something that when, when it happened, you were like, yes. Yeah. Um, we did a uh, we did a segment with uh, uh, BTE at um, Bar Wrestling, and uh, I, know, I feel dirty saying that word, but that's where it was uh, Bar Wrestling. And um, I mean, let me just let me just make this clear: like, I'm very proud of my work at Bar Wrestling. Like, I my best matches that I've ever had are there, and that plays it a lot for me. So I always be appreciative of Bar Wrestling, um, but. With that being said, um, there's a segment where, like, I'm. It was my, it was me and the Rockness Monsters against uh, SCU, and uh, the match broke down or whatever. And then uh, at one point, Brandy came out and uh, like speared my partners, like Yuma. I remember this. Yeah, I saw yeah, this. So I got in her face about it, and then the fucking uh, the Young Bucks came out, full entrance. Like I'm like I have her in the corner. I'm about, like my my fist is cocked back, about to punch her. And then the Young Bucks uh, make their regular ass entrance. And like, but to me, like, I don't even, they're not there, but it's like super loud. Crowd's popping. This is a big surprise. Nobody knew they were going to be there. So everyone's going crazy. Me and Brandy are in our own world. You know what I mean? So like the Bucks are, are popping, popping. And everyone's like, you don't see it behind you. don't hear that. You know? And like the idea of like me being oblivious to all, everything was my idea. 
and like that got over really big and like when, when they finally turned around and gave me that super kick like massive massive pop so like that to me was like i can remember that the most recent time of that happening is that probably yeah i remember seeing that now that you mentioned i completely yeah i completely forgot about that until you started talking about it that was a great that crowd went nuts nuts that. That was, and that was hard for me nuts because i i was like oh man they're gonna like i knew they're gonna oh, they're, they're gonna lose their shit and then the mm. music hit and they sure enough they lost it yeah and uh yeah it's it's uh with all the you know we don't need to really go into it but there's you know the whole thing with bar wrestling it just sucks that if there is no more bar wrestling that like that's one less place for wrestlers to be able to get work uh that's the that's a big bummer that's because true. that's i mean that's true yeah i mean just because you know uh i talk uh, sometimes when i talk to some of the some guys from socal a lot of them say like it's really tough to get on like pwg these days and uh so they like appreciated another wrestling vet venue that they could go to but you know hopefully it comes back as something new with different people running it and things can happen yeah we are uh, me and a couple of guys uh have already like made contact with some venues and we're we're, we're moving we're moving that train along because we need to like we'll, we will definitely fill that void um yeah that's already that's good to hear we're working on that yes yeah, so we are working on that all right uh and with that please uh plug social media, anything you want people to follow you on so they can, you know, look forward to any matches you have. Maybe there'll be closed door matches, but hopefully soon ish, they can be matches with crowds. Yeah. Um, my uh, Twitter as well as my Twitch are both at Darth Watts. Um, and my Instagram is Eric Watts LA. So that's how you can find me. Give me a follow. Let's chat it up. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Sure, bro. Take it easy.